This weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. Billy Fusello, huge, Taylor. Huge! <laughs> For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. So if you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is pretty easy. Uh, so you just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Uh, there's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for shots at millions of dollars in total prizes. Just like there's no easier way to uh, make a million dollars off a fight to just be a bum who can't fight and challenge Jake Paul. Yeah. I know that's boxing, but hey, Still relevant. easiest money you ever make. You just take one punch, go down, that's it. I could do that. <laughs> um, plus don't forget about fantasy or uh, sorry basketball and hockey where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the you know i do forget about hockey <laughs> for now <laughs> DraftKings is safe secure and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw funds at your convenience isn't that isn't that great that's that's so great are you a big mma guy taylor i like watching when i'm drunk which is convenient because it's on at 1 a.m on a saturday <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough well you, and along with everybody else listening right now, should download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. So there's your options for you. You can either download DraftKings or you could just get paid a million dollars to get punched in the face. Really, the choice is yours. Yeah. But that is promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and buffalo fanatics as always i'm brendan i'm taylor and taylor the sabers are in last place and as we always do when there are a limited amount of games left and the sabers are in last place we look to the future so in today's episode we are planning to go through some of the Sabres' more marquee, younger players, prospects, and see where they play into the future plans of the team. Lots of exciting things That's to talk right. about today. Picks, prospects, skip scops, and scallywags. Wow, always the best. And we would also just like to take this time to apologize to our third host, Joe Rogan, who we were not able to include on our Thursday episode due to time constraints. But we are very excited to welcome back to today's episode, and we're going to get to our segment with him a little bit later That's this right. uh this episode he's talking the only thing you need to beat coronavirus is a healthy diet good exercise and a steady dose of dmt and we'll see what he has to say about that certainly an interesting topic i really don't know what more you need in life to live a full healthy lifestyle so we're excited to hear about that from joe i mean that's his area of expertise and we're, we're excited to finally welcome on, him on for the first episode this season that's right all right all right well let's get right into it the sabers currently sit in last place right now with a pretty what? I, isn't it amazing last place. i know who would have thought what, for the fourth time in seven years i wouldn't know anything about it i don't know <laughs> or but, eight years whatever right is. and they are uh chasing after ottawa and new jersey to, to get out of the cellar but at this point it is looking more likely than not that the sabers will ultimately end up finishing in last place which means that there should be another high-profile prospect joining the Sabres ranks very soon. But as I had said at the top of the episode, we wanted to take this time to talk about the guys who are already on the team, some players who are currently on the team and making some noise, and others who are working their way up through the ranks. And so to start off, I think that we should begin by talking about Casey Middlestap, who has been maybe the most pleasant surprise of this Sabres season. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. For sure. And everyone who listens to this knows that I wrote him off completely before, before the season. I mean, at some point last season, he wasn't even scoring really in the AHL, mm -hmm. uh, not to a level you'd want for a top 10 pick. So Casey is, he's, he's absolutely been the best surprise, not just because he's scoring, but because he looks like a completely different guy. And we've talked about this many times before, but there, there were a few problems with him coming in, not the least of which is he didn't score really at any level, but the, the one that was going to turn him from being like a guy that doesn't score enough to justify a top 10 pick to it, a full on bus was that he didn't seem to have the conditioning or work ethic uh, to be an NHL player. And I know as like more analytical type guys, we try to avoid character type stuff just because mm -hmm. it's hard to know, but like 
it does matter. It does matter if you're in shape or not. It does matter if you want to win battles or whatnot. Like that, that stuff all comes down to it. I mean, it it'll reveal itself in the numbers eventually, but that that sometimes is the why in terms of why numbers are the way they are. Uh, Greg Ranko is a great example of that. Oh yeah, didn't want to didn't want to do battles. Alex Nylander. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Look no further there. Yeah. Jesus, that guy. But anyway, middle step seems like he internalized uh, what people were, I assume, telling him and made changes, works harder, is in better shape. And now he looks like a guy that belongs in the NHL, even if he'll probably not be worth the top 10 pick. Whatever, that's a sunk cost now. He already did it, and it was his previous GM. So I think he's starting to look like a guy who can play on your third or second line. And who knows, he can get better, but he's a guy that's very much worth having around. I agree. And got a hell of a shot. Yeah, he absolutely does. I think, you know, you kind of just hit it there that to me, Casey's long-term prospects, you know, while originally he was a, an eighth overall pick and you expect more from that, I think that he could be a solidly contributing middle six forward, probably more so on the wing, I would say. Um, I know he's had some success at center this season, but I still think that just the kind of style that he plays just, you know, relieving him of some of that defensive responsibility is ultimately going to end up paying off for the long term for him. Are you saying that they should try to play guys to their strengths? Is that what you're saying? It's an amazing concept, but I am. Yeah, I am. How about that? It's wild. And so looking at Casey this season, I mean, it's really been night and day. And even though he maybe isn't playing up to the standard of an eighth overall pick, it is considerably better than what we had seen from him in the previous three seasons. And beyond that, I mean, I know that that's probably a low bar considering that considerably better is than shit is, is, <laughs> is yeah. not, uh, not saying a whole lot, but he really has been. Um, and he's proven that, you know, unlike a lot of other, you know, Sabres players that are prospects that we've seen come up through the system who are maybe a little bit underwhelming, he's proving that he can play a valuable role on a productive team. So this season, as a matter of fact, too, I mean, just looking at like his raw numbers, he's playing at right around a 40 point pace right now, which is pretty remarkable when you consider just again, how bad he has been the past few years. Because he's also on the bad power play, so I don't think he's going to miss a ton of power play points. Right, exactly. I don't believe so either. He has, I believe, let's see, four power play points this season. Yeah, so he's not racking them up the way someone on the Sabres racks up all their points. Exactly. And and I think one thing to keep in mind with Casey, too, you know, he currently is, uh, his shooting percentage is, is hovering around 21%. And that is, as we all know, very unsustainable. Um, but I think it's worth asking, what is his shooting percentage? Like, what should it be? Right. What, what is? Because I know his career average is like before this year is around 11, which is higher than average. Uh, but could it be better? Like, he, I mean, he, he has a great shot. He's, a, if, if nothing else, like that, that's something that really stands out. If he's playing in the in the in the right situations, could he be like a guy that shoots like 12, 13%? I mean, I think so. But I think the other problem too is that he's just not shooting enough as it is. He, as it is right now, let me pull that back up there. Uh, he only has 38 shots in 29 games this year. That is not, not nearly good. enough. No, Not nearly enough. You need to be shooting way more. And again, especially with somebody yes. who has the shooting talent that he has. I Absolutely. mean, hit, hit the really the kind of marquee piece of his game is just in generally generally speaking his hands he has he, he can make plays in tight spaces because of how crafty he could be with the puck on a stick and he also just has a really good shot too his, his wrist shot especially is like surprising for him being such a little guy like he can really let it rip um but you know 38 shots in 29 games i mean you, you know averaging just over a shot a game is, is not going to cut it especially for somebody who has the talent with him and so for him to see his full potential you know yeah maybe he's not going to shoot 21 percent for the for next season or the rest of his career but if you're starting to get those shot numbers up that'll even out a little bit more and eventually will you know get to a more sustainable uh place i guess absolutely yeah uh that was a problem last year, even. I know it feels like 10 years ago, know, but before right. the pandemic, the Sabres uh, were, I don't know how to say this, collapsing is, is a good way to put it. Mm. Uh, Casey, at one point, had taken like, John Vogel of the Athletic was keeping track of it. It was like four shots in like 30 periods, and it's like, well, you're not going to score if you don't shoot. Right. <laughs> and you're probably not going to get as many assists, and your offensive opportunities aren't going to be there. And 
it, so that's that's something that we you absolutely have to see something better for. But I will say in general, uh, what uh, I was thinking for this this episode with the young guys is uh, it's kind of a there was a time last year, at the beginning of the season, very early in the year, when Casey was looking good and we were hearing good thing about Cousins. Was Cousins at Lethbridge? Yeah, he was last year. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and the Sabres had looked pretty good at that point. And I was just starting to get some ideas. And I was like, what if they did have a good future? What, what if these young guys, like, what if this worked out? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just hard to, it, it's hard to get long-term optimistic about the Sabres because of their owners and their structure. And they're everything. Everything about them is, it reeks of like, hey, let's try to get one playoff run in if we can. <laughs> but like, I was starting to get excited. And then Casey completely fell off and the team completely fell off. And it's like, well, maybe Cousins will be good, but like, it won't matter because this team sucks. However. I am starting to think that there's some interesting uh, potential future there with the guys they have. And it's not, it's not even just middle stat or not even the guys they have, but like, you know, some of the guys, the prospects they have looked like good. And I'm more than wary of hearing like, Oh, this prospect looks good. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I know, but like the, the sheer number of guys who are playing better this year than they did last year is, it makes me not optimistic, but it, it gives me some reason to want to watch them next year or the next few years. So that, that there's a lot of guys, like, you know, Samuelson, Johnson, uh, Laxanen, mm-hmm. just guys like that. And plus the fact that they're probably, they're, they're almost certainly getting a top five pick to go with these guys. Just makes me think, you know, maybe there's something there. Well, and I think next year will be a year that you're really going to want to see steps from these younger guys too, like big steps. And I think somebody who we can transition into, but also, you know, this applies to Casey, it applies to Tage, it applies to all of them. But the guy I want to talk about next is Dylan Cousins, and especially in terms of of taking steps next year. So, I mean, when it comes to the eye test, Cousins looks the part of a solid NHL player, Um, even for just being a rookie. I mean, when you look at his frame and his size and couple that with his skating ability, which is definitely above average, I mean, when he's carrying the puck up the ice, he's just barreling through because of how just he, he's just like a train, like the way that he he skates. And so the thing with Cousins, though, similar to Casey Middlestat, is that the production hasn't been there maybe as much as you'd want to see. So he has uh, at the time of us recording this, he has 10 points in 29 games. Um, and the problem with him as well, though, he only has taken 34 shots this season. He's shooting 11.8%. Who takes the shots on this team? I, that's what I'm and saying. Who all the shots? Taylor Hall. Yep. Clean to someone's crust. Yep. And look at him now scoring for Boston. But we don't have to get into that. But Dylan Cousins, though, he has I 10 am, points. I'm going to get into that this offseason. Me and, me and him are going to have a talk. You do at it. At the Taylor convention, we specifically talked about him not doing this. Who's moderating this year? Is it going to be Taylor Swift or Taylor Lautner? It's actually Taylor Lorenz of the New York Times. Really? Yeah, she had a big year. She got made fun of by Glenn Greenwald because he's an insane person. Mm-hmm. People kind of came to her defense. And were like, you know what? She's had a good career so far. She's pretty young. Mm-hmm. But like, we, we like to keep him young here. How does the- there's no one named Taylor that's older than 35 years old. No, no, that's fair. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, how about uh, how does the delegation feel about adding uh, Taylor Heineke for uh, oh, quarterback for the Washington Football Team? The guy that got the closest—well, not the closest, but got decently close to beating the Bucks and their mm-hmm. uh, their demon quarterback mm-hmm. in the playoffs this year. Yeah, uh, Heineke. It's interesting. I mean, he's a, he's going to be at the convention. Is he going to be a keynote speaker or not, or even going to be able to speak? It's tough to say because it doesn't seem like he's going to be brought back as a starter, but we will see mm-hmm. what the Washington football team decides. And frankly, if they go with some of these nicknames, like if they go for the Washington Demon Cats, wow, this, this guy might get a – we'll see. We'll see what his <laughs> – Stock might be rising. You can't give someone too much too soon. That's I think we all made that mistake with Taylor Fadoon. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. So of I, course. We, we want to avoid that, but – I suppose we'll see, but I will be talking to Taylor Hall about this. That's good. You should. He deserves a certain talking to. I feel that, you know. I'll take a trade anywhere. See, that's the thing. You're going to take a trade right into a left hook here, pal. Oh, yeah. There we go. I'm not good with the left. (laughs) More of a right guy? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's all right, though. Yeah, with the Brendans, we really don't have as much of a, a field to choose from. So, I mean, every year for the past... 10 plus years, the president of the Brendan delegation has been Brendan Fraser. Um, unanimously oh voted God. that uh, is. King. He's Brendan an absolute Frazier. king. Absolute king. That's someone, so we've talked down here before about how aughts culture 
mm-hmm. was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I stand by that. One of the very, very few things that I think is aged well from that era, the late 90s and early aughts, is Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. Being in everything. That guy was the, he, he should have had a completely different career. And obviously, there's very sad reasons why he didn't. Uh, but yeah. that guy was an, you can be an action hero. He was charming. He could have been, I saw this, someone on this on Twitter, the Harrison Ford of his generation. He absolutely could have been. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone like him in our current generation, really. People try to make Chris Pratt that, but I don't, I don't think so. Definitely not. Uh, but he's, yeah, he was so cool. And I hope he does have like a late career renaissance. I think he's like, must be in his fifties now, mm-hmm. but he's, I hope he has some kind of a cool late career stuff. I know he's in some stuff coming out. Yeah. So King shit. We love Brendan Fraser. Absolutely. He's probably the best Brendan, right? I yeah. Think. I mean, Brendan Shanahan every year tries to nominate himself, yeah, but yeah. we never let Maybe that happen. Playoff round That's out. what I mean. We never let that Jesus. happen. Brendan Fraser very promptly shoots that down. Absolutely. We don't allow the Brandon. You know, you know what's really annoying? They have their own conference. Oh, I, I'm sure it's the same thing. When we, we rent out a, a days in or something like that, mm-hmm. use their conference room and you walk out the hotel bar, it's Tyler Sagan. Yeah. It's Get like, out of here there. What are you doing? No, no. What are you always doing in hotel bars, Tyler Sagan? Mm-hmm. No, the Tyler, Tyler to Taylor is pretty similar i think to brandon to brendan oh for sure unbelievable you know the tyler's the brandon's they're scoundrels you know they, they try to take what we earned mm-hmm. and uh they, they have to be neutralized i guess this is probably <laughs> very, oh my god this is probably very biased though but like tyler's are are better than brandon's i'm really? so sorry to any of the brandon's that are listening I right disagree. now really there used to be this you know how there's things on facebook i know like way more cool times. tyler's than cool brandon's look we all know cool tyler's but in the long term, they they are an invasive species. They're like bugs, and we got to get rid of them. So, how about Dylan Cousins? <laughs> All right, so, Cousins, I actually like because I think Cousins has something that most prospects, or not prospects, most young guys don't have, which is that he looks really good all around and not just at one thing so you talked about his points and he's not shooting the puck enough i agree with that both of those points he has it's worth noting that he's been in and out with injuries and it's also worth noting that he's at some points this year we've been carrying around heavy luggage mm-hmm. in terms of his line mates certainly has not right now which is good but that does play it play a role so hopefully the, the scoring will come around but i mean the fact that he's good at the other things first that's good it's very i know we it's boring to talk about like this guy wins battles in the corner this guy is just makes teammates better this all this stuff but like you do need that to win like it, it has been pretty valuable for the bruins to have someone like patrice bergeron not comparing cousins to him someone who's like yeah he might only get you 65 or 70 points but he's like has the value of a guy that'll get you 115 points if that makes sense yeah it's crazy to think what it would be like if the sabers had some kind of you know dynamic two-way center who was really good on both ends of the ice and maybe didn't put up gaudy point numbers but still really respectable ones but his just overall impacts really helped the team oh they traded curtis Lazar. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly who I was talking about. Um, Good. But, yeah, right. Of course. Moving no, on. but Cousins, though, I agree. I think that I, you know, I, we can say, yeah, we'd like to see him score more and have more points and shoot more. I, I mean, shooting more, I think, is definitely different from like the point production aspect of this, but I, I have no worries about him at all. I mean, he just looks like he has all the makings to be a star in the league, and maybe it'll take him some time to get his footing, but the way that I feel about him and watching him is very different than I felt about pretty much any Sabres first round pick since Eichel, honestly. And I would even say, I mean, maybe Darlene too. Um, but even it, it's just different the way that he just like looks the part so much, you know? And I, yeah, I just think that next year is really going to be a huge year for him because I want to really see him take a big step. Next and I'm, I'm going to say, they are insane if they don't enter next season with Michael Reinhardt and Cousins down the middle. They have to. Insane. It, it, it makes too much sense even at give this you point. What they do with Casey, if if they want to put Casey on one of those lines, or if they want to give him the fourth line, don't even, not even, whatever. Do what you want there. Enter the season like that. You haven't had three good centers since the Eisenhower administration. Literally, though. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I could not ever. They ever had three good centers? I don't know. Probably 07. Yeah. So we. Who would they have to head down the middle? It would have been Drury, Briere, and then I think mean, Roy was the fourth line center actually in 06. And then who would have been third? Not Jochen Hesch because he was on Briere's wing for those two years. Connolly. <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Connolly, Connolly, he didn't play in 06, 07. Well, in 05, 06 at least. That's what they rolled with. <sighs> 
by the time they brought up Roy, yeah, that was, I'm pretty sure how, they would have rolled those four. That they in their uh, no five or six team they had Dumont as well. Stupid. I mean, it's 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 nuts. Hey, makes you makes you think. Anyways, let's not get in another trip down memory lane. We always have to give our obligatory 05 to 07 reference, and we've gotten that out of the way. So should we move on to another player? Yes. How do you feel about another guy who has looked good as of late? And uh he's one of Casey Middlestat's line mates, Tage Thompson. <laughs> I don't want to be negative on this podcast. That's okay. You don't want to, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't think Tate has an NHL career in front of him. I know we're we're coming around to him. He's he's played better. He's looked better like everyone has. has. And he's starting to score a little bit, but uh I don't I'm not really uh too concerned in the long term with Tage Thompson. Yeah, me neither. It's the opposite of how I'm not concerned with cousins. I'm I'm not concerned because it's not happening. I think that with Tage my impression of him lately has definitely been more on the positive side. And I think that it's legitimate that he has been playing better lately, but I still am with you that I don't think that he, I don't know. uh, It it just doesn't really concern me a lot to have him be a part of the plan next year in the way that I'm like curious about Casey, I guess, you know, I I feel like we caught, couple those two together a bit just because well, they, they high hopes at the and, same time. right yeah exactly and you have high hopes for them and then eventually they really haven't panned out in the way that you would have hoped but I'm way more interested to see what Casey could bring to the table next year than Tage and I think that when it comes to Tage at this point after the season you're going to have him on the books for two more years that I believe about 1.4 million I mean if he's a, a pot sweetener for a trade I will not blink at that. Like I'm not that concerned about having him be a part of the plan because I think that for what Tage can provide, you can get that potentially even out of somebody else in the organization or just to fill that role, I guess, or even just an off season move. I just don't think that he brings that much to the table where you are going to want to wait around and, and see, you know, what he has to, has to offer to you. I think that, you know, his, uh, his issues that he has are are pretty, obvious and at the forefront just that he tries to get too fancy sometimes and while he does have legitimate talent when it comes to having the puck on his stick and, and making some eyebrow raising moves he also makes a lot of really dumb plays too um and he doesn't know how to i think fully utilize his frame i mean he's six five and he doesn't really play like it that much yes so someone pointed this out on twitter but uh compared him to 2018 Josh Allen just always yeah. looks like that and it's like oh look at this guy this guy's huge this guy's weird skills and he has no idea what he's doing and that's a good way to put it like sometimes when Tage like I think it was probably 2018-19 season when he first got here I, I remember I was at a game and he got the puck uh, uh top circle maybe and just roofed it like it was like it was on a stick and then it was in the net and i was like look at that shot mm-hmm. this guy a shot like that big fast all this stuff should have all the tools it very much does not and it takes like five seconds of watching him i mean there was that cursed reddit post this week that was going around on saver square that compared him to a fennigenoff which i don't even i'm so glad that i did not see that or hear about it until you just said that now i don't oh, know what you're talking about but it makes me st- I, I don't even know if i want to oh Buddy, comparing Tage to Max. Buddy, hold on, hold on, hold on. That was just a, that was just a later point in the post. I I probably should bring it up. They also the, the point of the post was comparing the Andres Bjork trade to the, the Danny Briere. Yeah, trade. yeah. You, you see that? No, that I did see. That's the same one. It was in the same post. Somebody said that. What? Yeah, that is cursed. I hate that. I hate that so much. Where are these people that are that optimistic? We're trying to do an optimistic show right now, but how how are you that optimistic? You look at Andres Bjork and you see Danny Briere. Like, yeah, this guy can score 95 points someday. No, 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 no. no. All, all, huh. I, I forgot the other comparisons in the post. But and, it, was just, it was, well, it, it was. I want to say too, Bjork has been pretty good. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I want to make that point, but like yeah. not Danny Briere good. No, he just might be better than Curvis Lazar. It would be nice and yeah. make the trade look better. But I was I was more thinking of um in that post it was comparing Dylan Cousins also to Chris Drury, which I think Dylan Cousins has the potential to be as good as Chris Drury. In his yeah. Career. yeah, sure. I mean, Chris Drury wasn't he, he wasn't Danny Briere at his best, and he also wasn't like I don't know he wasn't like a 
top line center all-star he's not like a hall of fame or anything like that he's just really good solid all-around guy but it was like the way they talked about it is like a, a a good cle a pure leader which you don't know you don't know what i his personality is like so no. don't, don't pretend you do uh who makes the team better by sheer force of will is like buddy jury didn't make the team better by sheer force of will no the team was good because they could score and they had a decent goalie and they had you know they actually did have a good blue line too. and they had absurd depth absurd depth great depth that's why they were good yeah like you want to look at like why were they why do they go from president's trophy and missing the playoffs it's like oh it's kind of important that Breer and jury scoring both disappeared like and there was no replacement none nothing like that so they they're both gone so you're losing like goals wise you're losing like what like 70 goals there something like that somewhere close at mm-hmm. least and then 60 to 70 and then they traded campbell as well i, I know we're doing this for the hundredth time and important another important thing about that 07 08 Sabres team is that Miller's cousin died and he had a terrible year and they didn't have a backup goalie. They brought in T Bolt when T Bolt was 100 years old and Miller started 72 games and he has like a 905 or something like that. It was his worst year by far. So it was like, okay, so you basically lost your four best players. Yeah, it was a nightmare of a year and they barely missed the playoffs. They were fourth in scoring that year. People forget mm-hmm. it was giving up goals, for the hence the nightmare. That's what I mean. Like they, the Everything I'm, wrong. Yeah, they right. And right. then the next year, not to, not to do this forever, but like Campbell legitimately was like a number one defenseman. People didn't think of him that way for a variety of reasons, probably not the least of which is his size. But he, when he left, it was a different team. It really was like that. And I've said this a million times. The move was to keep Briere and Campbell, not Briere and Jury. Yeah. And when he left, it was a different team the next season. And Miller got hurt. Uh, I forgot how he got hurt in that late in that season, but we'll lean the next year. Another bad backup goalie. Bad. So they were really bad when he was out and they missed the class because hey, that that's guy. my friend, man. Oh, that's right. Take it easy. Yeah. I'll be talking about my my, my friend Patrick Lee. Well, he was that. just old too. They looked <laughs> he was. He was old. Like, cause he had been like playing for Ottawa in the 90s when they were in the playoffs, right? IIRC. Yeah. I mean, he definitely played in the night. I don't know how deep he was or how uh or what year he was drafted but uh, he was definitely active at least in the yeah. 90s then he was old when he was here he was he was indeed we, we are getting sidetracked again so can you believe it i know us who would have thought okay let's move on to the other line mate on the casey metal stat tage thompson line they rasmus call- asplund yes okay that's the one I actually do want to talk about i really like what i'm seeing from rasmus me asplund. too i know his scoring rate isn't sustainable either uh, but I was anti-Rasmus Asplund for a while, pr- starting with the fact that I yep. didn't think that the trade for they acquired him was a good trade. I still don't. Uh, but I think for a while it was like, well, he's putting up like very bad offensive numbers in these other lesser leagues. So like, why am I getting excited about him? Like when he's in the NHL, it's going to be worse. And then what happened last year when he got to the NHL? It was worse. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. bad. It was not good. And this year he looks to be more... I don't know how it happened. I think that's it's very strange, but he looks to be more confident in the offensive zone. It looks like he knows what he's doing as opposed to last year. And he's still a solid, uh, great, great, really solid guy in his own end. So he's a bottom six guy for sure. Yeah. But like we talked about, you're going to have six guys in your bottom six. They might as well be good, or at least pretty good, unlike what the Sabres have been throwing down there for the past decade. He could be the rare case of a player actually hitting what his projected ceiling was because when he was drafted, he wasn't drafted to be like a second line center or anything like that. Like people knew right away that he was going to be the kind of guy that would be a two-way center who was as you had said responsible in his own zone but also had a little bit of an offensive scoring punch and he this season has looked like that. Yeah. Um I think, you know, not I guess relative like points wise but he's looked a lot more like the guy that he is in Rochester because in Rochester I mean when he was down there he was pretty much taking on like top line center duties for them um had a good offensive scoring punch you know he was he was contributing all around there and you know while obviously he's not a team leader in the way that he was in Rochester it seems like we're seeing that guy making that kind of an impact I mean he I'm honestly pretty perplexed that middle stat Thompson and Asplund works. Um, you know, yeah. I think it, I, I don't know how to, I really don't know how to wrap my head around that because 
I know Casey has obviously looked a lot better this year, pretty much all around, if we're being honest. And again, I know I say this like every episode, but so much of that has to be attributed to his skating as long with his conditioning as you had made at the point before. But I, I, I don't get how that line works because it shouldn't, but it does. I mean, like on paper, it should, because it's like, okay, you have Asplund, who's the defensive kind of forward. Casey's the playmaker and Tage is Tage, I guess, supposed to be like the, the finisher, but he's, I I guess so, but it does work. 34 points in the dead puck era as a 20 year old. Yeah. Casey or not Casey. uh, I don't think Tage has 34 career points yet. Uh, He might be dancing right around. I could check out on that. I could check that out, but I'm really happy with Asplund. And I think that, you know, as you had said, your top or your bottom six, it does not need to be wasted away. Like the bottom line with just like, guys who suck like Cody Eakin or, or like a Kyle Opozo, you know, Yep. you should have not only guys who can contribute, but again, it just comes back to guys who can skate and keep up and keep up with the pace of play. And, and that's when why they should bring bill. back John Scott. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, so I'm really happy with Asplund though. I think that he absolutely is somebody that I want them to stick around. I feel like with a lot of prospects, my, not a lot, but there's definitely a handful that I look at and can say, I wouldn't care if they use them in a trade because if it could help sweeten a pot or something like that, or just, you know, fresh blood, something like that to, to bring in an asset. Asplund is a guy that I don't think he would really net you a lot in a trade to begin with, but he's a re, like a cost controlled, cost effective, you know, bottom six forward who, again, is responsible in his own zone, can contribute a little bit offensively. We'll see how sustainable that is next season. But I think he's absolutely worked his way into pretty much like a guaranteed spot on the opening night lineup next year. Oh, yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who do we want to talk about next? Well, any any other young fellows you're excited about? I, I do. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, we can kind of go across whether excited or not, but somebody who I am definitely excited about who has just started to get his first taste of NHL action over the past couple of weeks is R2. R2 Rustalainen, who has, should have been up at the beginning of the season. I think that's pretty easy to, to agree upon for everybody. Um, he really didn't get a ton of time in the minors. I think altogether he played about 13 games or so before getting his call up. And, you know, coming into this season, he had significant professional experience. Granted, it was overseas in Finland, but he was still playing with men and was solid, like really good. We, we you know, of course, the, the big calling card for him was that he was uh, a high end goal scorer last season in the Liga. So he comes over this year. A lot of people are clamoring for him to make the lineup right out of the gate because it's like, what more do you need to see from this guy? You know, he's 23 years old and he's not 19 or 18 where he has this has to have this like big adjustment period. But finally, after he plays well in Rochester again for the start of the AHL season, he gets called up, played a handful of games here in Buffalo now and has looked really good along Dylan Cousins, too, I might add. I don't know if, you know, as we're talking about third lines for next year, but if you are rolling with Jack, Sam, and Cousins as your three centers down the middle, wouldn't hate to see R2 on Cousins' wing next year because it seems like a lot of their skill sets work really well together. Oh, I agree. Yeah, R2 is someone I'm glad they didn't screw around with the way they have with so many guys. Yeah. Morant's pilot comes to mind. Uh, They just, they really got to it pretty quick, which is good. He's up. I know he probably wouldn't be up at Warren for injuries, but hopefully they like what they see enough that they, they want to keep him in the lineup. Cause like, it's just immediately, it's not even about him being good or having a good future necessarily. He just is a better NHL player than like four guys have been playing this year. Like I like how Riley Shane's played for the, for the price, but like he's better than Riley Shane, mm-hmm. better than reader. He's going to be better. I mean, everyone's better than a post or not. Sorry. Eakin. And then a post is out for the year anyway. So it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like how he's been. Like I, again, he's he's another guy that's probably bottom six guy, but like a guy that can score, a guy that is it's just just the simplest way to put it is a positive influence when he's on the ice. Mm-hmm. His impacts are positive. I agree. I think you know we've kind of made jokes about how the Sabers have had eight hundred bottom six forwards, but like. I don't, I, I'm not scared of retaining bottom six forwards, as we said, when they're actually good. Yeah. And I think guys like R2 and Asplund are absolutely the kind of guys you want to have to fill out your, your bottom six forward group. You know, 
I think skill level obviously is, is the main facet of that, but it's undeniable that at this point, when you have as much money tied into Jeff Skinner, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt, presumably, you know, in the off season, hopefully they can sign him to a long-term deal and he'll, he'll be making some money. Rasmus Dahlin, he'll probably end up getting a bridge deal, but you know, you're going to have a lot of money tied up in the, in the upper echelon of this roster. And so well, like every you, good team, does. right, right. Exactly. And so bad teams like us. As much as you can get out of like value contracts and, and, and younger contributions in your bottom six and, and filled out through your lineup in depth. I mean, that is just crucial to, to being a successful and sustainable franchise. And so I think that those two guys specifically offer exactly what you want, which again, two-way players, positive impacts when they're out on the ice. You don't have to worry about them getting caved in in their own end and they can still contribute offensively as well. And R2 has a nice shot too. Yeah. Very nice shot. Should we talk about a couple of defensemen? No. Okay. Defenses for cowards. Okay. That's fair. No, that's fair. What do you want to talk about? I'm just curious for, you know, the main two – that, that I'm wondering your opinion on, especially just like looking ahead to next season is, is Borgen and Bryson. I know we've talked about them both a good amount this season so far, but, you know, similar to Asplund and, and Roostalainen and, and Middlestad, I think that both of them unquestionably have secured roster spots for next season. They both provide value. I think I'm a lot more comfortable with Borgen than I am with Bryson. At this point, I think that Bryson, there's a lot up in the air still because he's a dynamic skater. And I really like just with him having the puck on a stick, skating up through the ice, you know, again, playing guys to their strengths. But there's a lot of question marks when it comes to playing in his own end. I think a lot of the issues that we've seen this year, um, I shouldn't say a lot, but I think that there's a decent number of them that you can look to him playing with Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, uh, for a handful of minutes this year, handful of games as, as a reason for the issues. I think for, for a guy like that, you know, so I, I guess in it's a way similar to Borgen, you need to find the opposites of them to play them with. That's why Borgen works so well with Darlene. So for Bryson's case, I think you need to find somebody who is actually a defensively responsible forward or a defenseman, unlike Ristolainen and somebody who can pretty much just be that support when he can go up and do his thing and, and be active and engaged in the offensive zone. Yes. So the, the main way I'm feeling about the two of them is I think Bryson is a guy long-term, not long-term, but like next year, I'd feel comfortable being uh, an AHL guy who comes up if you like the first guy up, if you have you know injury or maybe seventh defenseman, whatever. I, I feel more comfortable with him being like that. I don't, I mean, He's good enough. He'll probably be good enough to play in their top six next year, but that just speaks to the Sabres being, yeah. you know, a team that never has good defensemen. Uh, Borgen, it's tough because Borgen's the guy that you, you get excited about, right? But you only saw him for a few games. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, I mean, has there been any kind of word on... Uh... He might be back before the end of the season, but I, I don't know. It's kind of like... For him, I think it's different because he's a young guy. And so if you can get him more games and more looks, I think that you should yeah. do that. But I agree with 11 games left, you know, time's running out. Absolutely. And yes, it's, that's, he puts him in a difficult situation because it's like, well, you want to bring him back. Maybe if he is the guy that he seemed like he was, you could guarantee him a roster spot, but like, you don't, how much confidence do you have in that? Maybe you do. Maybe you, they should know better than we should. Because right. They've had him in Rochester. They've had him as a, a member of the organization for a while now. So maybe they should have a better idea. Like, yeah, what we saw is real or it isn't real. Bryce, on the other hand, people are really high on Bryson at first because he's not Matt Irwin. Yeah. I have to commend him. Congratulations. To not be Matt Irwin. Great, Jacob great Bryson winning the not Matt Irwin award yeah. for 2021. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for Irwin because he was used to be okay, but it's like everyone reaches the end of the line at some point and he reached it on the Sabres. Yeah. And that's a bad place to be. He um, might even have last season too, if we're being honest, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, Bryson is, but I don't see like him being a guy that I'd be thrilled to have in lineup uh next year on the other hand they always have three defensemen at least that i'm not thrilled that they're in the lineup so now that they, they don't have montour anymore or bogosian or nathan boyu or a bunch of guys and now next year they won't even have mccabe who mm-hmm. i did like this year you never know and i was gonna say mccabe is somebody that interests me as a potential partner with bryson i would like to i'd be curious to see how those two would play together yeah i mean i don't know if we'll get that opportunity well, because we'll if McCabe leaves too, gonna, yeah leaving. <laughs> no that's fair that's fair i mean do you think that there's any chance mccabe would uh resign 
Part, uh, part of me thinks if they throw money, I mean, he wears an A, and if they threw money at him, which they should pay him, but I don't want to just overpay for guys to retain them because we already are doing that. And yeah, that's tough. I agree. Uh, the thing, you know, what's interesting about McCabe is he was he a second round pick? He was. And he's been basically more or less in the organization for a decade, roughly, right? Nine years, is it? About, yeah. I think he was. And he's played yeah. literally hundreds of games. Does it feel like that to you? Does it feel like Jake McCabe is a, he has his own, not era, but like, does it feel like he's someone that, you know, was at the organization this whole time? Does, I, it, does you have, do you really have, or did. Yes it, and no. You're like, because I, Ristolainen is so just undeniable in this era. Undeniable would not be the right word for it, but Ristolainen is, is just, this era is kind of defined by him, for mm-hmm. example. Uh, Gergensen's in more more or less does feel like he has a, like what, something to remember him for if nothing else for the All Star game. Mm-hmm. Um, McCabe is it's it's interesting. It it just speaks to the fact that this the, the team has meant so little emotionally to the city for this past decade because mm-hmm. someone like Vakala Verata, who we love, we love, we'd love to have him on the podcast. We love him at some point. Absolutely. He was not here. He, I'm, I'm almost sure McCabe's played more games as a saver than him. Oh like, yeah. No one's. I think no one. the thing with McCabe, he hit line A that one time and like knocked him out. Yeah. I don't know if any anyone's remember any of that. That's not really a, anything to do with him. It's more to do with the state of the team. Yeah. The I think with affairs. McCabe though, the thing is, is that he, he has. You're right. He doesn't have any like I guess defining moments. But I think part of the reason for what you're saying and why people feel that way. Cause I definitely do too, where it's like a yes and no kind of thing is that it's really been, I mean, this year and, and even last year that, I, I mean, last year more, it was his underlying numbers, I think were better than what we saw on the ice, but this year, especially, I mean, was his best season of his career until he ended up getting injured. And so I, I maybe it's just because, you know, we're on the cusp of losing him. And he finally seemed like he really, really came around and everything connected together. Not to say that McCabe was like, has been terrible, but he definitely wasn't great for a while. I mean, granted the team wasn't, but I think it's really this season is we're starting, we kind of saw the guy who he could be um, and who everybody wanted him to be because I mean, if you go back again to when he was drafted and you know, after he came into the organization, people had really, really high hopes for him. I mean, he was, you know, uh, along with being like a higher profile player at Wisconsin, he was, of course, captain of the World Juniors uh, Team USA. Um, You know, people had really high hopes for him. And I think that it was really only until this season that he kind of hit the ceiling of what everybody thought he would be back then. And I think for a while, people never thought that he was going to hit it. I mean, I definitely didn't. I think if you would have asked me last season, even though again, like his underlying numbers were better than maybe what we saw on the ice. If I wanted to keep him around, I would have said no, but now depending on what the cost would be, I would love to have him come back next year. I just don't know what that caught, what his price tag is going to be. But I think that this year, more solidly changed McCabe's standings in the mind of a lot of fans. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. But... I do agree with that. Okay. I think him playing with Ristolainen last year at the beginning of the year, which weirdly, it seems like the kind of guy you'd want to, like this year was great. Yeah. Last year was not great yeah. <laughs> at all. And that was, that was a big problem. And I think people, even me, like kind of had negative associations with him because of that. Cause I don't think he ever, I don't know that he ever really like popped out before that. Like mm-hmm. no, I agree. Jump off the screen or anything like that. So, but yeah, he definitely has come around, and it's. I think they're more than likely going to lose him. That's unfortunate. Is there any other uh, young fellows you want to talk about? Well, UPL. More like a PL. Have you seen Ooh. that save percentage, folks? I know, I know. Good. Well, also the Amherst have been bad, and he's also coming off of surgery too this season, and so I'm kind of hoping that. Savers a failure. Bad. I, it's an amazing concept. I know Man. who would have thought they haven't actually had a GM. <laughs> yeah. That's also a problem. That is definitely a problem. Yeah. UPL is interesting. I mean, I think it's just been such a rise and fall of how people have kind of viewed him. I mean, I think last season people were like, I, I of course, you know, it's, it's understandable. I mean, myself included, like having really high hopes for him, he was incredible 
in the OHL before he ended up coming to, to Rochester. Of course, he won goalie of the year, I believe, for the league. He was in most valuable player conversations, too, um, just for what he did for Sudbury. Right? He was with Sudbury, I believe, was who he played with. Um, Sudbury Thunder Bay, right? All right, folks, remember that, remember that story? but i i feel like with upl it has been up and down but that that was nice but it's a i don't know i think there's a lot of context to upl situation i you definitely i want to see him get games in i know it's a matter of injury concern right now whether he's going to be ready to to play he's on the taxi squad at the moment and i would expect that we get to see him in game action i mean you have you know 11 games left in this season you don't you haven't gotten a taste of him yet at the nhl level this has just been a weird year in general again he's coming off of of hip surgery and so i think he's probably like maybe a little bit over a year removed from the surgery or whatever it was but regardless of that i i think that at this point there's a lot more question marks about upl and i mean we all know that goalies are voodoo as it is you you don't know how a goalie is going to end up developing and progressing because again upl looked great back then but he did not look good this year but i think there's more reasoning to that than just looking at his raw numbers but i don't know i hope that uh he could end up turning into a viable starting option in the league but i think that the tune on him has changed a bit from maybe a couple of years ago where people were thinking he was like kind of the not to you know make nostalgic comparisons but like that Ryan Miller type where he's going to be the guy like you have your legitimate number one starting goalie and the Sabres have not had that since Ryan Miller. True. True. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I would definitely interested in seeing him this year. Mm-hmm. I'm just, just getting him some games or whatever. It's kind of a lost year, unfortunately, like it's such a right. short season in the AHL. Like it's, it's kind of a waste. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think regarding this whole conversation, something that I've thought since, spring of 2019 when i think you should leave came out is what idiot called it the calder trophy and not baby of the year <laughs> folks um folks yeah i don't folks have too indeed. much to say about upl though because yeah. uh he like you said he's a goalie and i don't understand goalies i don't even try to understand goalies. we just gotta see him i think we we just gotta see him yeah Eric Portillo looked pretty want, good for I Michigan want, this year. True. I was going to say Werner Herzog voice. I want to see the baby. <laughs> I want to see the baby. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Portillo, that's, it's good. That's, that is something I can say about goalies. It's good to have options. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And it'll be interesting, really, to see how he's going to end up looking, too, if he's going to be able to take over the starters net for Michigan next year. And, you know, him with getting expanded games, I think he's only played – less than 10 this season for them because he's not there yeah, their starter, last year, but... though. yeah exactly it's just much of a, a lost cause unfortunately this year but anyway so i have a, a quick quiz it's not a real quiz oh okay so i just thought of while we were talking cool so people are starting to say that tw- sabers 2017 draft might end up being uh not good. bad we'll see yeah i'm not ready to say that but anyway i was thinking about the 2017 draft it's interesting it's an interesting draft uh Early in that 2016-17 season, the Sabres were looking not good. People started being like, Nolan Patrick talking. I was like, who the hell is Nolan Patrick? And I was like, oh, he's the guy that's supposed to go first overall? Go to hell. No, I'm not doing this again. No way. Uh, anyway, he is – I'm ready to say it. Guess what? He's a bust. Mm. I know. I've, mm. I've, 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 I've been talking about these, these top picks. Now. I'm, I'm not ready to say that about these other guys yet, but I will say it about Nolan Patrick. Trash. Okay. He does have 69 points career-wise. Nice. In 187 games. Who are the six guys that got drafted that year who have more points than him? Uh, Nico Heischer. That's correct. He's the guy that won first overall. He's second. Mm. 138 points. God, who else went in that draft? Um, Elias Peterson. That's right. He's first with 153 points. In 165 games, he is the by far leader in points per game in this draft. Um... Kel McCarr, isn't he this year? Yes. Yeah. Kel McCarr is 81 points in 88 games as a defenseman. Guy's good. He's very good. Yeah, he's very, very good. Um, Miro Heiskinen? 
That's correct. He has 90 points in 193 games. Okay. How many more do I have? Only like one or two? Uh, two. Two. Okay. Um, who else went in this draft class? 2017. 2017. Oh, boy. Um, no, Clayton Keller was the year before. Um, so he wouldn't be. Can I have any hints? Are they yeah. top 10 picks, the remaining two? Nope. Right. They're 12th and 20th. 12th and 20th. Um, hmm. Any other hints you want to give me? Not really. Okay, that's fine. Are they? Should I know the names? Yeah. I think one in particular. 12 and 20. 2017. How many points do they have? Are they a forward or are they both forwards, both defensemen, one forward, one defenseman? They're both forwards. Um, God, I'm just blanking outside the top 10 of this draft. Oof. Oof, my goof. Let's see. God, Taylor, you're killing me with this now. Uh, how many points do they have? You said each. Eighty-three. And how many and games? Seventy-one. Eighty-three and one hundred fifty-seven games. Okay. Seventy-one and one hundred twelve games. Okay. Um... Nope, he wouldn't have enough games yet. Not a good draft. I legitimately don't know. I really don't know. All right, here's two, two hints. First is the Sabres trying to trade for this guy. They should have. They tried to trade for him? Yeah. They should have gotten him. Robert Thomas? Robert Thomas. Okay. Bob Thomas, they call him. Yep. yep. The other guy. Famous uh, singer of Matchbox 20. That's right. I don't really Amazing know. how he made the pivot to a hockey career. At his age? Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know what to say about this other guy. Uh, um, West or East? East. Let's check. Martin Nikas? Yeah. Is it? Go. Cool. Martin Nikas. Cool. Nice. Right. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, hockey, huh? What do, you, what do you have to recommend to the people today, Taylor? So two things. First, I should say that uh, I have a recommendation that comes coming from not me, that uh, my brother Torin is saying that everyone should watch Dead and Thieves before it leaves Netflix. And I think I'm going to do that this week. Oh. The other one is, uh, so I saw the original Assault on Precinct 13 for the first time. It's on HBO Max. Okay. Great movie. John Carpenter movie from 1976. It's before Halloween. And it has two uh, actors from Halloween in it, which is cool. What struck me about it was, I thought was interesting, was I thought it really, Carpenter really used horror imagery in a non-horror movie. Do you know what the conceit of Assault on Precinct 13 is? Nope. Well, it's basically like a, a police station that's closing. There's some people that are supposed to be getting transferred to death row that end up there. And then there's a, like a, a gang basically attacks them there. And it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a great movie in a lot of ways, but I thought what was really interesting about it is the way Carpenter treats this gang in Los Angeles, like it's a movie monster in some ways. And one, one in particular, a, a shot that I thought was great was there's a, a guy try he not to spoil, but a guy that gets into some some trouble with this gang. He's mm-hmm. in a field, mm-hmm. and there's a, like a payphone, and he's at the payphone, and he's, he thinks he's alone. And then there's one of the gang members just like walking like uh, briskly, no emotion, no look on his face, whatever, towards him. And the, the shot goes back to the guy not moving, back to the guy walking, getting closer and getting closer. This builds his anticipation. Well, that's basically the way he did that in Halloween with Michael Myers chasing Laurie Strode across the street michael myers is walking not running but it's brisk and laurie Strode's not really moving and it it keeps the, the shot keeps going between the two of them and it makes you feel like come on move lady like it it, it gets you going it's it, it really it makes you anxious builds the anticipation yes and then also i think with uh gangs or organized crime in movies we're pretty used to having uh motive and usually the motive's simple it's something like well they want money or there's some turf war, or there's this or that that they want. 
even with criminal alleged masterminds, movies like Die Hard, there's always a goal. And this, you don't actually know what it is. You never hear from this gang. You never hear them speak, really. Like, and and you don't know how big they are, or how many there are, right? It's like, it's it's very interesting. I I I thought it was very interesting the way he made he the way he portrayed it. It, it wasn't it wasn't like you ever see in movies. And I guess it makes sense that he wanted to have a career in horror. Hmm. You know, more so than any other genre, horror, science fiction, not movies like that. Right. But very good. Interesting. Very nice. My recommendation is for the uh, gentleman whose shirt I'm wearing right now, which is Kendrick Lamar, uh, Pulitzer Kenny. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm uh, going to recommend Kendrick Lamar's Untitled Unmastered album, Ooh. which, if anybody is unfamiliar, uh, was his follow-up release after he put out To Pimp a Butterfly, which is just a masterpiece of an album. And uh, essentially, Untitled Unmastered is all of the songs that didn't make the cut for that album. But there are just, you can attest to this too, as being a Kendrick Lamar fan also, some of his best work on that album. And it's just like, a, he, he made an entire album of just songs that didn't make the cut. And if any other rapper put out that album that would probably be their best album it is so good all he also the... he more or less put it out because lebron was like i want some more kendrick music when you when you're releasing something but and then he just did he just did it he just did it all the songs they don't even have names they're just untitled one untitled two untitled three and so on and so forth um CeeLo green is featured on the album yeah, the song is. is great yeah too i think that's untitled uh untitled seven i'm pretty sure um but uh yeah i would recommend that one anybody who is uh into really good good music in general kendrick lamar you should know him but i'm assuming most people who are listening to this would know who he is but if you haven't listened to that one since it's not one of his official formal studio albums um definitely uh, worth a listen and it's just really cool to kind of get a little bit of a inside sneak peek to like his creative process and the making of the pimp and butterfly since all of those songs were recorded during that period and, and didn't end up making the cut it is it was pretty cool that he basically went four years in a row with like kind of a quote-unquote now but like releasing stuff like he did pimp and butterfly untitled unmastered damn and then the black panther soundtrack in less than four years and now it's been more than four years since it well since dan at least feed us please yeah come on man. we're starving here uh he's supposed to come out with a new album he was i think he was supposed to last year but he had like a bunch of people on tde like his record label didn't end up putting albums out because of the pandemic because they couldn't support him or anything so i'm pretty sure though that he should have a new album coming out this year at least i hope so because he's in my opinion one of the best minds in music to emerge i would say in the 21st century well for sure and will probably end up going down as the greatest rapper of all time in my very biased opinion yeah who's your random sabers player hmm i hadn't actually thought about that but let's let's throw out a a, a shout out to our good friend stephen fogarty as long as you're talking about music john cougar mellencamp That's ladies right. and gentlemen buffalo saber stephen fogarty all right i'm gonna go with the throwback i'm gonna go with uh Dennis Hamel. The reason oh. I think of him is because the memory of him that I have burned into my brain is, I believe it was against Ottawa. He had a breakaway and he lost his stick, which we had seen recently in a Sabres game, actually. And he just kicked the puck all the way to the goalie, but nothing came of it. Very inconsequential moment, but I just remember him skating up the ice without a stick, just kicking the puck by himself on a breakaway. Hmm. I was going to say the thing I remember about him is he got a skate in his Achilles tendon. That too. Yeah. Wow. Any last thoughts for the people before we had before we take out? Oh my God, Taylor. What? <sighs> we are so sorry to our third host, Joe Rogan, oh but unfortunately, God. we are not going to be able to fit him in. I'm just realizing uh, we went now, over time again, did we? We went over. I'm looking at the time, Joe. We are so sorry, but we will have you back on Thursday. We will get to your segment. If you want to do the same one, you can. If you want to do a different one, that's totally fine. Ladies and gentlemen, we're really sorry about that. Joe, we apologize profusely. But uh, with that being said, this has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As you heard at the top of this episode, this episode has been brought to you by DraftKings. Make sure you're heading to DraftKings and using promo code THPN on whatever it is you'd like to bet on for sports here in New York State. 
you know, we have listeners in other states and up in Canada, but here in New York State, we have the ability for doing uh, daily fantasy sports and DraftKings is the one-stop shop for that. So make sure you're checking out DraftKings and again, using that promo code THPN. Also, make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network, 31 teams, 31 shows, and tons of other great content and shows that you should check out on your respective streaming platform of choice. You can find all of them at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or follow them on social media at HockeyPodNet. And make sure you're following our other presenter of this show, Buffalo Fanatics. Again, we are getting closer and closer to the NFL Draft getting ready for the 2021-22 season to get underway in a few months. And uh, Buffalo Fanatics is where you got to go to get all of the Bills content that your heart desires. And make sure you're following us on social media as well. You can find Taylor and myself on Twitter at Brendan1423 and Nigrelli93, respectively. That can also be found in the bio of our own social media pages. And you can find us on Twitter at Straight Sabres. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Straight Up Sabres and make sure you are subscribing or following us on your respective streaming platform of choice. We'll be back with a brand new episode first thing Thursday morning. So everybody, we hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. This has been Straight Up Sabres.